Hey everyone, it's uh, Steady here. Uh, I just wanted to say before we get into the podcast here, this was uh, a top 7 list that I actually did for my YouTube channel, Steady Studios, and it's uh, very much intended for that in terms of kind of the format, and I had a lot of visuals and stuff to go with it as well. Um, but I will say that it actually turned out pretty well as just an audio as well. I had to just kind of fill in a couple of voiceovers for things that had only visual cues, but uh, a lot of it is kind of me talking as well. So I thought I'd just kind of put it together as an audio format as well and uh, release it as a episode of Positive Juju. So uh, please enjoy, but I do highly recommend um, watching this on the YouTube video. I uh, just put in Steady Studios, Jutes Kaisen, and uh, it should come up. Uh, but either way, uh, you're listening to it or watching uh, watching it. I uh, want to say thanks very much for taking the time to uh, to tune in. All right, enjoy. Domo domo. What is up, everybody? This is official Jutes Kites and Translator Steady here. But we are here today for the obvious reason. If you are a fan of the manga, you have no doubt realized that we have hit chapter 100. I am here today, just kind of a little fun little video to uh, discuss some of my favorite top moments of Jutsu Kaisen so far in the first 100 chapters. Now why 7 you ask? Because 7 in Japanese is Nana. Nanami of course the character in this house. We represent Nanami. Now I should mention that these top 7 moments are not in any particular order. Jutsu Kaisen is a manga that represents uh, funny moments, great battles, kind of sentimental moments, and great characters, all these different aspects, you can't really place one on top of the other because it's just how they work off of each other that make the manga so great. And definitely this video is intended to kind of spark a little bit of a conversation as well. As I mentioned, these top seven moments are very subjective. They're kind of my top seven moments of the series so far. So if you agree or disagree, or if you'd like to maybe add on a couple more that uh, you feel uh, definitely needs to kind of make it into the top moments, uh, feel free to comment them. Even if it's not your top seven moments, even if it's just one or two. But since we are going with seven moments that are the best in Jutsu Kaisen so far, I would be remiss if I don't start with my boy Nanami. That's right, we're going to be starting off with chapter 100. Entry number one, don't mess with Nanami. So what a great place to start with chapter 100. So obviously there's the kind of anticipation whether the 100th chapter of a series is going to live up to the hype or not, and it did not disappoint. When talking about my favorite characters of Jujutsu Kaisen, I always mention Nanami. Of course, in addition to the main trio of Yuji, Fushiguro, and Nobara. So Nanami kind of has this sense of, he's kind of jaded, right? There's the kind of background info on him of uh, what his previous job was and how he was kind of getting tired of that. And he came back into the Jutsu world. But even in the Jutsu world, he still questions the way things are run. 
and he makes that very clear when he first meets Yuji. So we know what Nanami's character is kind of all about in terms of he's very straight-laced, he kind of doesn't really show too much emotion, but that's what makes characters like this so great when they show that sort of emotion. And in chapter 100, we got that. Now, when I say emotion, I'm not saying that like they start screaming or they start laughing all of a sudden. When it comes to Nanami, he doesn't really have to say much to really convey a lot. That I wish you well in all. So of course we know how strong Nanami is based on his fight against Mahito. And Mahito is a special grade curse and even though Nanami is grade 1, he takes on Mahito and wins the fight for all intents and purposes. And what makes characters like this so great is when characters like this who are usually pretty reserved and pretty docile kind of get poked, poking the bear so to speak, right? And when you piss off a character like this, is just so cool to see them go ham. So in chapter 99, it finishes off with his kind of Undertaker entrance. And then there is this kind of moment at the point of chapter 99 when it ends where we think, well, maybe it's going to be a Nanami and Nobara versus this side ponytail guy. And it's going to be kind of a struggle maybe a little bit. Yeah, Nanami's pissed, but maybe there's going to be a little bit of a fight. But... For anyone who was thinking that, boy were we wrong. Nanami means business and he took care of business. So this is a classic kind of hype moment, I would categorize it, in the Jutsu Kaisen series so far. So chapter 100 definitely has to be in my top 7 just because of the pure kind of hype factor. The fact that it didn't disappoint knowing that it is this kind of momentous occasion of chapter 100 uh, but kind of brought enough hype that we felt very satisfied and we kind of want to know what's next going into the next set of 100 chapters entry number two yuji versus skuna So for my next entry, I want to go from the most recent chapter to one of the more earlier chapters. Kind of the earliest chapter that I would say tipped the series in a way where you start to become very invested in and had a very kind of significant content in the chapter. And of course, Volume 1 definitely introduced us to the characters, kind of told us a little bit about the world, what the world is about. But I would say the first tipping point has to be in Chapter 11 chapter 11 titled a dream so a dream uh kind of referring to what gojo's dream and what he wants from the next generation of jutsu sorcerers now if chapter 100 brought us the hype chapter 11 kind of brought us a little bit more of a story depth and kind of these sentimental moments especially when it comes to gojo because what we've seen of gojo so far his little kind of tussle with uh skuna it was just kind of really based on what his abilities are and just kind of how strong he is the self-proclaimed strongest but when it comes to this chapter 11 the first page kind of Although it kind of brings us into a humorous way, uh, you know, he says, Ijichi, you're in for a serious face slap later, which is really uh, 
really kind of funny and gives us that moment of kind of comic relief as well. But then immediately after that, this kind of moment of kind of comic relief, he says, I have a dream. And I love this really kind of this this uh, chapter cover page right here with Gojo with kind of his face covered. He has that smile. So and it's it's kind of this refreshing moment where we see Gojo kind of from a different angle. But of course, this leads into the main conflict of the story, I would say, overall. So at this point, Itadori is killed. Uh, of course, kind of a WTF moment in the series. So we have this little tussle between Tsukunai and Itadori. But of course, one of the most important pages comes in pages 10 and 11. So Skuna brings up two terms. He says term number one in the condition number one in this binding vow. He says, you agree to let me take over your body for one full minute when I chant in chain. And number two, you'll forget about this agreement. So at this point in the story, Itadori is not very familiar with the Jutsu world or what binding vows are all about. So obviously, Skuna, he's a curse. Uh, he's, very, he's a very cool, very charming character, but in the end, he is a curse. So this kind of brings up this moment that we need to always keep in the back of our head whenever there's conflict in the more recent chapters, especially in the Shibuya arc. Uh, he might run into uh, Mahito, he might run into uh, Geto or Fate Geto. We always have to kind of be reminded, keep this thing kind of pestering us in the back of our head. When is Skuna going to call out Itadori on this binding vow? Because the way that the chapter uh, kind of progresses is that on page 13, although it is kind of it's almost comical the way that Itadori's face is just kind of chopped off. He does say, okay. So he agrees to this binding vow and we always need to remember that. So definitely I'd say chapter 11 on a whole chapter, a dream, uh, has a lot of substance packed into it. And maybe when you're kind of starting the series, you're kind of flipping through it you don't really realize how significant this chapter is but i thought definitely if you're talking about top moments of the uh, first hundred chapters you have to bring this up i would say because it kind of really pinpoints where the series really kind of fleshes out what it's all about and uh, kind of foreshadows what might potentially happen in the future so uh, we had Nanami as kind of a hype moment and then we have this moment to kind of give the world a little, little bit more depth, give the characters a little bit more depth. Entry number three, it's like that. Alright, so for my third favorite moment of Jutsu Kaisen so far, I have to kind of dial it back a little bit. We're going to find one of the uh, middle chapters and we're going to go with a little bit of a lighter tone on this one. Although inside this lighter tone, there is a huge message that got me to love Itadori. This is the moment that I truly fell in love with Itadori Yuji. And of course, up until now, he's been a very appealing character and uh, someone that you really kind of care for, but this is the moment that you really said, man, he is cool, he is down to earth, and he is truly worthy of a Shonen Jump protagonist. So we're gonna be taking it to chapter 64. It's like that. 
So chapter 64 comes after the Yasohachi Bridge arc, which in and of itself was a very significant arc. The way that um, Itadori and Nobara kind of interacted after they fought these uh, special grade curses, the uh, Kechizu and Isil. And kind of their conversation and the way that it was paneled was done very, very beautifully. And it kind of really gave a depth to Yuji. He realizes that not all curses are the same. And uh, the way that he felt apologetic almost when he um, finished off Esol, when he saw the face that Esol gave. So It's Like That is the uh, chapter that uh, everyone meets at the diner and Ozawa, one of uh, Itadori's uh, old classmates, comes back and looks completely different. It's a very humorous, humorous chapter, right? Uh, it even starts out with uh, Todo and Meimei playing ping pong, which as a fan of ping pong, the manga and the anime and the movie, um, I gotta say that this really... I was like, man, Akutami Sensei knows what's up. And uh, I know there's a bunch of Matsumoto Taiyo fans out there as well. So uh, if you're a fan of like Tekkon King Crete or uh, ping pong and stuff, that this was really kind of hit hit a home run for us, right? But of course, even after this uh, this little humorous moment with Todo and Meimei, we're uh, thrown into this little situation where we see Nobara kind of shopping around. And then she's approached by this girl called Ozawa. And uh, Ozawa Yuko is actually a uh, former uh, classmate of Yuji, and it's revealed that she used to like Yuji. And just, just kind of, it's even funny just the fact that she looks so different too, right? Um, Nobara even kind of makes the comment that uh, she's like Kuroko Sato from Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, and if you're a Yu Yu Hakusho fan, you kind of know what uh, that that's referring to as well. The uh, the different appearance of uh, Kuroko Sato. Uh, but then we see this nice little moment with uh, this photograph with Yuji and Ozawa and uh, Ozawa's kind of blushing a little bit um, And then the fact that the chapter is called it's like that is referring to this funny little moment where nobody realizes Oh my gosh, she likes Yuji. He's like, is it like that? And she's like, yeah, it's like that <laughs> But uh, also kind of it's it's a little bit significant here, too Because there's been talks about kind of whether Nobara and Yuji are going to have a ship and things like that, too But this chapter whether you care to admit it or not, I'm pretty sure Akutami sensei here was and not to say that this can't change down the road, but Akutami Sensei is here kind of establishing the fact that Nobara and Yuji are not an item. Then uh, Fushiguro shows up, and even Fushiguro is like, you know, he's a brooding character, but he's actually very witty and he's very kind of in tune with what's going on as well, right? So he, even he realizes like, it's like that. As opposed to kind of your classic brooding character that might not really pick up on those kind of things. But he's all about it too and the three of them are kind of talking about this. And um, Fushiguro mentions, oh right, he said something about liking tall girls. And Ozawa is, a, by Japanese standards, a taller girl. Uh, so they're like, man, let's get her in, let's get him in here. We gotta call Yuji right now. And she's like, and uh, Nowara's like, you're okay with that, right, Yuko? And it's like, yeah, get him over here. And then of course we have this little um, message uh, between y Yuji and uh, Nobara saying like, hey, diner, come, why, come, okay. <laughs> it kind of shows you their relationship too, right? Uh, but then Nobara kind of realizes her mistake 
mistake, so to speak, in calling uh, Yuji over here, uh, knowing kind of the sensitive nature of the situation with Yuko and how she likes Itadori, and the fact that she looks so different, Yuji will most likely not recognize her. I mean, who would? But this is where Yuji just hits full marks, obviously represented here by uh, Nobara and Fushiguro with their little tens, uh, 10 out of 10 kind of uh, remark here. Yuji with his, hey Ozawa, what's up? Just really down to earth, really cool, casual. He recognizes that it's Ozawa, doesn't make a big deal out of it, but is friendly and kind of, like I said, down to earth. And man, even I was like, damn, he's a smooth criminal right here, Yuji. And it's so, it's so kind of really heartwarming here, right? Um, he sees people in a way that beyond just the appearance, which is a really beautiful quality, I would say. And uh, he mentions kind of comments that she's really elegant and she sees those kind of great qualities that other people might not be able to see. The little interaction between these, uh, between Yuji and uh, Ozawa finishes in back in present day at the diner. He says, we'll see you again. Matane. He's saying, he, it's not like, all right, bye. He says, we'll see you again, implying that, hey, it was good seeing you. Hopefully we'll see each other again soon. That's very much the intention of this see you again. And of course we uh, finish off the chapter by uh, by Nobara with her little uh, remark saying, Hey, I, I can't believe he might get a girlfriend before I get a boyfriend. That's not how it's supposed to happen. Entry number four, Unlimited Void. Alright, so for entry number four, let's bring back the hype a little bit. And we can't talk about hype in Jutsu Kaisen without talking about the one and only, the strongest Jutsu sorcerer alive, self-proclaimed, but also proven, Gojo Sensei. And obviously, throughout the 100 chapters of Jutsu Kaisen, we've seen many, many moments where Gojo Sensei proves himself to be the strongest Jutsu sorcerer alive, whether it was in the flashback arc, or in the recent Shibuya arc versus the likes of Hanami and Jogo. But really, I would say the first taste that we got, where we got to see it in full action, um, and even though we saw a little bit in chapter two of Gojo Sensei versus Sukuna, you can't talk about hype moments in Jutsu Kaisen with Gojo Sensei without talking about chapter 15, which is Domain. Now this was a moment in Jutsu Kaisen which really kind of elevated the action and really showed what the Jutsu techniques uh, are all about and specifically domain expansions. Now once Jutsu Kaisen becomes more and more popular I have no doubt that this specific moment is going to be one of those kind of moments where you see it on everywhere on Twitter once the anime comes out and it's animated you're gonna see kind of people talking about it and the buzz and what's really gonna bring Gojo Sensei to the forefront and you know say oh my god he's the new coolest character in Shonen Jump even though us manga readers have always known that from the start. 
So Gojo Sensei and Ijichi are in a car on the little highway uh, when they're met with Jogo and he's categorized as a special grade curse and obviously we know what special grade can mean but up against Gojo Sensei it doesn't mean anything. Now this is right in the middle of the time where Yuji is kind of still assumed to be dead but Gojo Sensei is secretly training him and Yuji kind of does his little film training, watching movies and all that. And then Gojo brings him to the forefront of battle to show him what it means to be a Jujutsu Sorcerer. And not only a Jujutsu Sorcerer, but a top level Jujutsu Sorcerer and being able to use domain expansion. So in response to Jogo's Coffin of the Iron Mountain, we see uh, Gojo Sensei now with uh, Yuji in tow. Yuji's all scared, wondering, man, this is completely different from the curses that I've met before. And then comes Gojo Sensei with his domain expansion. Of course, the classic scene now where he takes off his blindfold, the mysterious blindfold, and then he utters the words, domain expansion, unlimited void. Then just this double spread right here, just kind of going into this weird space-time, like void continuum kind of deal. So many, all, all those words, all those space and times. And <laughs> but obviously, for those of us who've been re reading it uh, from the start, finally kind of seeing uh, Gojo just doing his thing and showing off. This was a moment of pure hype. And surely for anyone who's read the series and kind of talking about their favorite moments or top moments of the series, this has to be one if you're going to place it in the kind of hype category. This was the moment where we were shown what it means to be the strongest Jujutsu Sorcerer alive. And Yuji saw it front and center. Entry number five, what if? All right, so for entry number five, I'm gonna to have to refer to chapter 27 with what if. Now, this is very much kind of one of those um, uh, pull at your heartstring kind of moments, uh, really plays with your emotions, but really was a masterclass in Akatami Sensei's storytelling. It was a moment filled with emotions, both anger, sadness, um, guilt. And let me just start off with the kind of the cover page right here. Chapter 27, what if we see the main trio along with Junpei now wearing the Jujutsu High uniform and a really kind of beautiful drawing here showing kind of a glimmer of hope but then you're quickly reminded with the title that says what if in Japanese Moshimo uh, and we translate it into what if kind of saying wait a second is this kind of a dream scenario here and it kind of before you even get into the chapter you start to feel a little bit nervous especially knowing with what the situation is going on right now where yuji has kind of infiltrated the school 
uh, that he knows um, Junpei should be at, and then he confronts Mahito. Now, of course, this is the first time that uh, Yuji actually runs into Mahito, and he's in for a rude awakening. Not moments after he meets him, the moment happens when Junpei is killed. And this obviously fleshes out what's so great about Yuji as a character as well. Um, he's obviously very down to earth, he's kind of aloof at times, but kind of what, what makes um, Shonen Jump protagonists, there's a common thread that I would say is that they don't typically get angry, but when they do, it's on behalf of someone else. Hey, they don't get really angry with, with kind of silly things, but they get angry when it counts and for someone else. Yuji thrusted into this situation, he's still very new to the Jutsu world, and he sees Junpei transfigured now, and so many things going through his head. He looks to the only thing that he knows that might be able to help him, which is Skuna. And kind of given the relationship that you've seen between them in the past, you know, Skuna kind of fixing uh, Yuji's arm or the heart and things like that, you're given a moment to think, hey, maybe Skuna actually will help him. But again, we're in for a rude awakening. And this double spread right here. We see Skuna and Mahito just laughing in Yuji's face. And we're reminded, just as Yuji mentions, I almost forgot. These guys are, and always will be, curses. And especially with Yuji's character at the time, we've seen him grow a lot. Uh, he's kind of been able to kind of suppress his emotions a little bit more, think things a little bit more logically, especially spending time with Nanami. But this, we see him just with pure rage. From the constructs of the soul, he says, I'm gonna kill you. Now, as I mentioned, this uh, moment, I would say is very, very significant in the story because even as the reader, we're kind of almost kind of starting to appreciate the curses the curses in kind of a they're kind of charming almost and it's like oh maybe there's some qualities to like about them as well but Akutami sensei in a very opportune moment reminds us in the end they are always curses because of course um especially throughout the uh, yasohachi bridge arc like i mentioned before with uh the relationship between yuji and eso for example how he felt sorry about finishing off eso there is this kind of theme in jutsu kaisen about not all curses are bad perhaps and there's this kind of struggle of the understanding of what uh, a curse's identity is what a human being's identity is and in my opinion I think that this is going to be a huge conflict um, down the road in the hundreds of chapters to come uh, especially uh, now that we know that there are kind of curse human hybrids and things like that entry number six sisters now for my next entry, entry number six, I'm going to have to kind of go with a personal favorite of mine, um, a little bit from left field, um, and perhaps not really at first glance really important in terms of the significance to the story, but it still does pack a lot of uh, important content, and for me it was just such a beautifully done chapter 
that I have to put in one of my favorite moments of Jutsu Kaisen so far. And it is none other than the fight between Maki and Mai during the team battle of the Goodwill event. Chapter 42 specifically. Now in the Jutsu world we're obviously introduced to a lot of uh, sorcerers such as Gojo or uh, Hushiguro who seem to be kind of born into the world. They just have this knack, they have the techniques for it. And of course, when it comes to that notion, we have to talk about heavenly restriction. And obviously I could have uh, chose uh, Toji as well and how he exploited the fact that he doesn't actually have cursed energy. But in terms of just kind of the beauty of the chapter and how it's done, I have to go with Maki. Best girl up there with uh, Nobara and maybe uh, even um, maybe Kasumi Miwa. But this chapter was so beautifully done in terms of kind of its pacing. So we know that Mai and Maki are twin sisters. They kind of have obviously a history. Um, but we see that Mai is at Kyoto school and Maki is at Tokyo school and we're not really too sure why. Mai who was born with a curse technique and Maki who was born without one. She can't even see curses. And I, I of course I love these, this kind of moment where we see um, Maki and Mai at Little Girls and we see uh, Kid Maki which is just too cute. But it's kind of a very heartwarming scene here where we see Maki just pulling Mai along her sister and we see them as sisters, not as rivals at that moment. And this chapter is beautifully done with this kind of flash forward, flashback, flash forward, flashback, but it doesn't really seem like confusing or anything. It's just done in a way that is just really gives the scene full effect and gives this conflict between Maki and Mai kind of this significance. Like I can almost imagine once the anime comes out just the the kind of the music that's going to kind of go along with this and the sound of kind of fast-paced music versus kind of this slow-paced music when they go into the flashbacks. And of course in terms of just sheer hype we see Maki coming in cutting a bullet in half. I mean that's pretty badass. And not only does she cut a bullet in half, she actually catches one too. I mean, who catches a bullet? <laughs> my daddy saved five crackheads from a burning building by himself. My daddy wants to call a bullet with his bare hands. My daddy kick your daddy all the way from here to China, or Japan, wherever the hell you're from, and all up that great wall hey, too. Don't talk about my father. Don't talk about my daddy. So obviously, uh, as a Maki fan, this kind of really elevated uh, her character in my book. Um, but this is what I mean with how the chapter was just so beautifully done. It kind of brought those moments of hype, brought those moments of kind of adorableness. But in the end, once the chapter is done, I found myself being very melancholy. And that's when you know a chapter is done very, very well. You're kind of shown Maki up until now as this kind of just very dry, kind of just like get things done kind of attitude. We see Mai up until now as just a very, she's very mean spirited. But at the by the end of this chapter, we kind of see them, both Maki and Mai, beyond just those one dimensions. We see the relationship that they have with each other and we see Maki for who she is inside as well. That it, for her, it wasn't just an easy decision to just kind of uh, leave the house of Zenin. And for Mai, 
she's kind of a girl just wants to be with her sister she doesn't really want to be in this situation and she's kind of crying out for help a little bit so it did uh, kind of make me feel very melancholy at the end of the chapter but it was beautifully done nonetheless and hopefully um, this was kind of a maybe not at this moment but a kind of a turning point for these two sisters maybe we'll see them in the future fighting together alongside each other hopefully Entry number seven, The Reveal. All right, so for my final favorite moment of Jujutsu Kaisen so far, and believe me, I really had to kind of, I could have gone with 10, 15 entries if I'm honest. There's just so many great moments, but uh, I want to kind of keep it a little bit more concise um, otherwise, I'd be here for hours talking about this. I know there are really hype moments like in the flashback arcs with uh, with Toji and Gojo, like I mentioned before, or whether it be uh, Megumi, the first time he kind of uses his partial domain expansion. But of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention one of the more recent chapters, Chapter 90, uh, the Shibuya Incident Part 8, Geto and his character revelation. Now, like I mentioned at the beginning of the video, you can't have a great manga without great characters. And I would say not only just great characters, when you're talking about characters, not just the, so you know, quote unquote, good guys, but you also have to have great antagonists as well. Kind of the struggle where you can almost mm, relate to the antagonists, where you can almost be like convinced by them saying, yeah, I can kind of see how they, are acting this way like if you're talking about western comics for example like magneto although he's very radical uh you kind of do have moments where you're like yeah i kind of see what he's saying so with ghetto it definitely has that kind of aspect about him so i'm going to cheat a little bit here with ghetto um, and talk about kind of a series of moments that led up to the one big reveals so in the flashback arc or the hidden inventory arc uh, we're given a lot of time to kind of flesh out ghetto as a character his relationship to gojo and we kind of see him for beyond just the the antagonist that he we know him as today we see that Ghetto, kind of contrary to what we might have believed, is actually just a very gentle, very kind-hearted uh, person. Of course, he likes to have that kind of camaraderie with Gojo a little bit. Although he wants to kind of do what's right for the world through his Jujutsu sorcery, he starts to become very much jaded with the world. And of course, the moment that where it kind of turns in the flashback arc, they go and save uh, the Star Plasma vessel Riko but she's obviously shot, right? Now, I could have selected this moment as well, specifically, but it's very much just a turning point for the bigger events later on. He kind of goes back to Jutsu High, becomes very jaded. We kind of flash forward a little bit and we see Geto just day in, day out, the grind. We see these beautiful panels uh, where we have just Geto just kind of consuming these curses and just the wordplay that's used here where it says, curses taste like a, a rag that's wiped up vomit it's just so graphic but really kind of gives you an idea of what ghetto has to go through but then one day ghetto actually uh, runs into skumo 
who is the fourth uh, special grade uh, Jujutsu Sorcerer, obviously along with uh, Gojo, Geto, uh, Yuta, and Skumo, kind of the mysterious one still of the bunch, right? Um, and sh and this is this kind of conversation that they have really is a big turning point for Geto's character, and obviously this leads to the village massacre. And again, like I mentioned with the Rico moment, this uh, this village massacre moment is of course very very significant. Um, but again, this is just kind of a stepping stone to uh, what la uh, happens later on. So now we uh, kind of understand that Ghetto, what he's all about and why he's so jaded with the world and why he kind of turn, you know, leaves Jutsu High behind him. But in chapter 90, that's where it all changes. Everything that we thought we knew goes out the window. It's a very kind of, obviously, if you're familiar with Bleach, you know, kind of the Aizen reveal moment. For me, it had that kind of significance. We're led to believe we kind of have this suspicion that almost Geto's kind of there's something something kind of very different about him. Obviously, we see the uh, stitches along his head, but they never really address it. But in this chapter, they address it. So not only was this moment where Geto reveals himself as no longer Geto, it's also very significant in the fact that Prison Realm is actually used and it worked. All of a sudden, this safety net that is Gojo Satoru is removed from the equation. And this threat of prison realm that we've been promised since almost the beginning of the series actually works. So not only for me was this moment significant in the fact of the ghetto reveal. I think it was also very uh, important in terms of the kind of the sh balance of power and the shift of the balance of power. And of course, as we uh, read Shibuya Incident right now, um, it's not like it's all done. Uh, we, we are not too sure what's going to happen with uh, Gojo in Prison Realm. He is still alive. Um, but I, I have a feeling that Akutami Sensei will probably kind of follow through in the sense that it's not going to be as easy as just saying open Prison Realm and he's out of there, right? I hope not anyways. So there you go, my uh, top seven moments of Jutsu Kaisen so far. Um, I know that there are a lot of things that I might have left out. Believe me, I get it. Uh, things with like Skuna, for example, or with Toji or Todo, um, all these kind of great moments. Um, but that's where the comments come in. Uh, let me know uh, what your favorite moments of the series were so far. And believe me, I couldn't I couldn't fit all of them into just seven um, specific moments. But for me, uh, kind of as a fan and as a translator, these are the moments that really made me uh, fall in love with the series over and over again. But of course, uh, 100 chapters in, we've got at the anime on the horizon. It's a very exciting time to be a Jutsu Kaisen fan. Uh, if you are a Jutsu Kaisen fan, read the manga every week. Uh, please definitely consider subscribing because I go through... Uh, weekly chapter kind of discussions uh point of view that maybe you didn't really see 
or just kind of a little fun place to kind of talk about the most recent occurrences in the chapter. And I'll definitely have a lot more Jutsu Kaisen on the horizon as well. Once the anime comes out, I definitely want to cover that as well. So uh, feel free to uh, subscribe uh, if you want. If you don't want to, that's fine as well. <laughs> but I also have uh, Instagram and Twitter uh, linked in the description. I have a lot of trivia. But there we go. That's it. Thanks very much for uh, sticking around. I want to say uh, thank you for those that uh, do kind of join me each week for my manga lounge sessions and for those of you that are new and are still watching the video till this moment uh thanks very much for sticking around and hopefully uh we'll be seeing you around more but uh yeah with that i want to say as i always do in my weekly videos you know how we do mata yoroshiku